Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of New World Podcast. This week, me and Aris talked about mental health, specifically going to the definition of mental health and looking at mental health through the lens of the COVID-19 pandemic. Additionally, we talked about Bell Let's Talk Day and other initiatives such as Better Help. Uh, we looked at the main topic of awareness of mental health, how to determine if someone you know is going through a mental health crisis and what you can do to help them, as well as what you can do yourself if you are going through a mental health challenge. And finally, we looked at the future solutions of mental health, including psychedelic research and the biological effects behind it. And yeah, as usual, if you guys like this episode, please comment, subscribe, leave us a message and uh, hope you guys enjoy. 2020 was a tumultuous year. The question we must all ask going forward is simple. What values, ethics, and behaviors from the old world are we going to preserve? And what new perspectives are we going to embrace as we build our future civilizations? This is the New World Podcast with Ariz Kaki and Akio Samji. All right, welcome back, guys, to the New World Podcast. My name is Aris. And my name is Akil. And today, as you probably already saw, we're going to be talking about um, mental health in particular. Uh, as it, it is May, it's sort of the peak of Mental Health Awareness Month every year. Yeah. And there's a lot of PR like going around, and it's been going around for the past few years with regards to mental health. Uh, it's become ever so more popular from ever before. And I think it can be, it's, it's a really good thing that people are shining light upon something that for so long has been avoided, or mm-hmm. we believe that, we, well, which we knew that existed, but for some odd reason, we just, our society generally like ostracized it, like the conversation made it taboo. Yeah, they just avoided talking about it. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I think and I think with some other societies that either our like parents come from, or some people's family mm-hmm. comes from, it's sort of like considered um, culturally taboo. Mm-hmm. And for other, like, other societies, especially olden day societies, is something of like a cultural or religious significance mm-hmm. as someone was going under depression. Yeah. And so I think, with regards to uh mental health perspective on the new world many people might be asking like okay why why would you be covering a topic like mental health when in reality like this is something that we totally know about right yeah. and um i think i think the reason why people we should be covering mental health is is well because of its importance right now mm-hmm. as we speak considering the fact that we're still living in um what mm-hmm. most of the countries that we live in still have the lockdown mm-hmm. measures with regards to covid mm-hmm. and um i think the discussion hasn't been had this year for some odd reason like, like we have the regular mental health oh, yeah pr going on but i don't think anyone's made the connection i think it's more obvious that the connection is there mm-hmm. but i don't think anyone anyone has come out like of significant prominence in like society and like has called it out for what it is which yeah. is which is the mental health crisis, particularly during COVID, is probably going to be very disastrous and often mm-hmm. something very dark. And we probably won't see the ramifications of some of the decisions that we made uh, with regards to some of the decisions governments made and probably for another couple of years. Now. Exactly. Yeah. And until I think people are allowed to socialize in like en masse again, I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to see people. And then you have to remember that people prior to COVID, even those people that are already depressed in like different areas, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just really exasperated that trend line. And so... Mm-hmm. I think you're having not just the regular people who are already under, not just regular people and victims of mental health, but you had new victims mm-hmm. and people who generally held on to something that they went to. Like, you know, yeah. when they when they had the social interaction, that kind of saved them from essentially damaging themselves. So, exactly. And I think without the social interaction, it's been about a year's plus. Sure, we've had loosening here and there, mm-hmm. but there's really nothing like uh, going outside without a mask or yeah. without any of these restrictions and turning entirely back to normal. I don't think until that entirely comes back, I, I still think people are still going to go through hard time and just 
mental health is probably going to reach mental health problems are going to reach at their maximum soon and you know looking at the mask it's sort of like a bad symbol for a lot of people going through mental health because mm -hmm. every time they have to leave home they look at that mask they realize oh no i have to social distance i can't meet with people i can't talk like regular like life has changed you know and it makes people feel more of that like depression or just go through those um like changes you know yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's acting sort of like a, it's acting as sort of a weird mechanism of like how how much society's changed. Mm -hmm. Like some would call it like essentially what what happened was some of our healthcare professionals essentially had to use some sort of societal public health measure. Like some of our public health systems with regards to not just the science but the population health yeah. health health science stream of medicine, which is essentially not just the virology or the epidemiology, mm -hmm. yeah. but rather the people with the statisticians. And the other parts of the medical establishment that come together to sort of make this proposal yeah. based off data and modeling mm -hmm. and, and how frequently this virus comes up in people. And the idea was that, okay, this is sort of the solution that we have. We've pitched it to government yeah. and it's up to public policymakers who've been given the trust by the people to make the decision on their behalf. And I think um, you're right. With regards to the mask, I think a lot of people now treat it as, as something... Um, Initially, people just treated it as what it was. I don't think people looked at it as being such a divisive, or not just divisive, but just like a, a symbol of of isolation. I think now more than ever, it's sort of hard to just see through the mask. That's exactly, like, like, yeah. like It's been sort of like yeah. a weird thing to not be able to find out who is like on the other side of that mask. That's exactly. And I think and I think it's leading to much more darker times because but, 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 but before, like you could see people's smiles. Like it may mm -hmm. seem like a, like a really cliche thing to say, but like a smile could go along with right, a lot yeah. of people. And just not even the smile, but being able to just see like, like new things and just be the like quote unquote freer like mm -hmm. like to go outside to, to experience the world and I think yeah. with COVID and especially with the lockdowns at first and then the loosening of the lockdowns but the persistence of the mask policies I think you've you've essentially created uh, this restriction on freedom yeah, exactly. of people and, and to move around and to do whatever the hell they want to so I think it's something that like uh, people are still undergoing and we don't know the full like we said we don't know the full ramifications of it exactly I think you're seeing now however um, more young people bring it to the forefront mm -hmm. which you've spoken about the fact that um, mental health was already a thing I think now people people now which is which to me seems a bit frustrating at the same time silly which is that it's odd to me that people didn't recognize this idea before oh, like, yeah. like I think I think it's and it's weird because this is this is an unprecedented like step in mm -hmm. policy so if you go back to like every health policy that we've ever had um with regards to like viruses or massive like on mass epidemiological or pandemic level uh responses to anything yeah. there's there's been there's sort of been an effort to quarantine just have some sort of like it's an olden days idea mm -hmm. so it's something new yeah. or revolutionary like we've always had quarantine mm -hmm. quarantine different areas of the region of the world before it became a pandemic right, exactly and i think this is something unprecedented because this is a population measure population health measure that's really never been taken before mm -hmm. and i think because it's so new it has opposition but at the same time it's something that we have to look at critically before using in the future yeah, i think exactly. the, the good the good news is like with the vaccine rollout and a lot of the other things are loosening um it's going it's showing signs of uh be regressing mm -hmm. like the, the virus in and of itself and the whole entire crisis including the economic one yeah and the social and the cultural one but we have to make sure that that um like the fact that we've used this it's somehow some way it's created a precedence and mm -hmm. it's in our arsenal now yeah and i think if you go out to anything like that we've ever used as humans like when you look at nuclear war or you look at something like uh, splitting the atom right mm -hmm. That that thing is like kind of a Pandora's box in a way, exactly. because you really open it up and you really can't close it back. So I'm just wondering whether or not like something like this, with regards to like, I'm not questioning intentions here, but all I'm saying is that um, with regards to the lockdowns, it could be that the the cure in of itself was worse than the problem, right? Yeah, I, I feel like this pandemic was really like a test to try out the solution of a lockdown mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. 
as you said, it ne- has never been tried before. Mm. But I think looking at it like three, four years down the line, they'll probably look at all the stats mm. of, you know, especially with mental health, how how it affected the virus, the spread, the cure, the vaccines, everything, and see for future pandemics, whether they want to apply it again or not. Right? Yeah, so. it, yeah, I think it questions the uh, effectiveness of some of the, pol- some of the policies. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, like generally speaking, whenever the government, but not just government, whenever we're in a crisis, generally speaking, we don't receive the feedback or the full extent of what we what we actually what we actually did mm-hmm, until exactly. years later when people begin to question. Mm-hmm. Now it could turn into sort of something um, a bit more drastic in the sense that it's becoming more and more divisive, I think, mm-hmm. like the, the measures of the lockdowns. And so mm-hmm. I think it depends now what exactly um, governments around the world do at their discretion. Exactly. Like we have different regions of the world opening up than others. Mm-hmm. We have like sub sort of like subnational areas like states and provinces and different jurisdictions who have the power to make their own decisions mm-hmm. and their own rever- reversal of these um, measures, take those. And then I guess now you're sort of seeing this weird Petri dish experiment happening, which is mm-hmm. like there's different regions of the world that are opening up yeah. and there's some regions that are even cracking down harder. And I guess it goes back to the point where how the numbers actually work. Right? Exactly. And um, there's many people now that the more and more stats are showing up about the fact that the drug or like drug use, drug abuse, mm-hmm. domestic violence, sexual assault. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I'm guessing there's much more underreported and not even reported uh, crimes from the, by, like done to these victims that they're not even coming forward exactly. because of the fact that there was a lockdown, they have to go somewhere mm-hmm. and they're going to go back to the exact same house. So they don't want to make sure that like it's, it's created, it's created a very weird time to be in mm-hmm. environment because often you were able to like go somewhere externally but for some reason externally everything's closed just to sort of remain internal with everything that you have mm-hmm. and yeah i just think i just think with regards to just mental health and substance abuse is definitely shot up into the sky for yeah. sure yeah and, you know i think uh talking about it is really like a really good first step mm-hmm. although it, it may not seem like it's doing much i think raising awareness of it does do a lot in the long run because mm-hmm. the more people that are aware about it the more you can see the signs and like who like you can kind of figure out if someone is battling mental health and uh then you can figure out you know ways to kind of help them and combat it yeah i'm, I'm wondering whether or not like with regards to the um the approach of things so in a way this is sort of some sort of like social engineering project in the sense that like you have to you, you sort of see how you socialize you, you've conditioned you know that for lack of a better term but you've conditioned a population for about a year or so to stay away from each other to not see family or the or and the, the sometimes the conditioning can go a bit too far in the sense that like these habits have been built like often mm-hmm. there's i don't know what the arbitrary amount of days is to yeah. build a habit i think it's like 20 or something mm-hmm. or three weeks i think to build like to get a solid habit like into someone's mm-hmm. oh, schedule okay. i think so but fact check me on that yeah, yeah. but <laughs> Um, yeah, like if you think about it, regardless of that amount of days, it's been technically a year. So in my eyes, if someone's practicing something like social distancing and mask wearing, mm-hmm. it's definitely become a habit of ours. Like it's somewhere in our subconscious that we have to put on a mask wherever we go. Well, exactly. And I think to, to a certain extent, it, it would be odd to me, like whenever this is all over, like how just society and like the population, the populace would react to reopening. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that reactions third and fourth effect on mental health, yeah. because people with mental health disorders are probably at, at this moment, like either isolated or just finding ways themselves to deal with their pain. It's often the bad versions, which is uh, we all know for the fact that the, that substance abuse mm-hmm. goes extremely high among, amongst men yeah. in their, in the middle ages, especially those that are going through mental health and depression and mental health affects all people, but essentially there's sort of a disparity between substance abuse and often uh, consumption amongst men mm-hmm. versus women. Yeah. Uh, this includes like everything from like hard liquor and binge drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course that leads to a whole different like mm-hmm. plethora of problems. And I think, uh we're looking at some young people especially and and the odd thing is that 
with regards to the regular mental health disorders, you're right in the sense that it affects like, you know, like single people, single men yeah. or older, like middle-aged men who, who drink constantly. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a sort of like, you have this sort of character profile of oh, someone yeah. who's going through like chronic depression. Mm-hmm. But then now we more so know that it's everyone goes to mental health varying degrees, but for some odd reason that, that I'm, I'm starting to see that the lockdown is sort of disproportionately affecting young people's mental health. Mm-hmm. For the, like for the first time, it's, it's, I cannot, I'm not saying that it's fully young people, mm-hmm. but for some, but for generally speaking, young people are, I would say, young, resilient. Yeah. Young people generally seem in their normal world have always seemed to be very resilient. Like they yeah. always find issues to problems or they have something going for them. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there's never any mental health issues. I think yeah. there's always something going for them as well. But for some odd reason, I guess it makes sense. You've restricted people to their homes. And I think for the first time in ever, I guess, young people don't have somewhere to look yeah, towards exactly. to go somewhere to like enjoy their day. And I think that the fact that they're restricted by geography mm-hmm it's just something very unique it's like you're basically you've essentially conditioned an entire young generation to be fearful right mm-hmm. and yeah i just I, I just don't know i think i think this, this is a really interesting thing to study as a topic yeah. especially in the next coming years as to how much of an effect the mental health crisis the, the, the response with regards to what other dominoes were set into place where the dominoes fell with regards to mental health suicide, mm-hmm. all those numbers, which I think will be coming up very soon. Sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I just wanted to pull up a couple of facts from um, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. And of course, all these facts that we pull up, we will put the links in our description so you can take a look at it further. But uh, two facts that I noticed was one that young people age 15 to 24 are more likely to experience mental health and or substance use disorders than any other age group. And we find that really important, which is why we made this episode, because our audience is Gen Z, which falls within that age. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to bring awareness to this topic. Mm -hmm. And especially with COVID-19, the last stats that I found were from 2016, which said that there are about 34,000 mental health cases. And I'm pretty sure, unfortunately, that's on the rise with the whole pandemic and the lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. And again, most of them are substance use disorders or or, um, schizophrenia disorders. And then um honestly yeah we can really see the impacts of what it's happening right yeah and i think and i think people we, don't, we tend to forget about the, the most extreme cases which is like cases of self-harm it's a yes, dark place to like touch upon but i mean it is reality and mm-hmm. we really don't know exactly what people will be going through and i just think that it's something to consider the fact that like what 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 to the extents of which uh these these effects have on the psychology of people exactly like people we, we know that global productivity fell by multiple units mm-hmm. of deviation, whatever that may be, yeah. due to the fact that simply we're just all stuck in our homes and then we're just sitting on our beds and on our couches. couches and yeah. so we're going, sure, we're going on Zoom meetings or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's a less, there's a more likely chance that you're just sitting there, like passively absorbing information on the news or whatever. Yeah, you're just going from one screen to another. Exactly. Right? And yeah. there's a high chance that you basically weren't being proactive in any sort of mm-hmm. means necessary or I guess going above and beyond to solve some problems, but instead you were just sticking to whatever your requirements were to make mm-hmm. it through the day. And I think with regards to the effect of global productivity, and then not to mention the fact that the one thing I think that's overlooked all the time is mental health's relationship to just binge eating as well. Yeah, that's true. I think people tend to forget the fact that like states of depression don't just have to be hard drugs. It can mm-hmm. literally just be like people either overeating or not really giving any attention to their health. And I think with COVID especially, it's odd because the idea is that people stay at home and then they're basically just grocery shopping. Like we saw like how the grocery stores were all empty and yeah. the beginning of the pandemic and people just rushing for toilet paper yeah. and for other foods and mm-hmm. all the shelves being empty, something out of like an apocalypse yes, movie. Yeah. But it's like people are staying at home, consuming this food nonstop. And, and because there's really nothing else to keep them proactively busy, which is really strange to say, but I mean, yeah fitness is fitness awareness is rising during the pandemic which is a good thing like people more and more people now have dedicated the time to fitness but at the same time like there's a huge demographic that i would argue that 
I wasn't able to do it because they relied on external source, i.e. a gym mm-hmm. or a trainer to meet someone in public or to have someone encourage them mm-hmm. to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think with all that loss, it's, some, it's very difficult to, uh, for, for many people, I know, to completely be sympathetic to them to the fact that they can't make it somewhere and to improve their quality of life and their fitness. So, yeah. And uh, we can move on to sort of uh, what are some of the initiatives of some of these current corporations or some of the current uh, conventional established media companies are taking with regards to COVID, uh, just addressing mental health per se, yeah. not necessarily just COVID, but and we have the regular thing here in Canada, which is the Bell Let's Talk Day. Yeah, you want to talk more about that? For sure, yeah. So I'm just going to pull up another stat. Um, according to how much money they've raised, they say it's about $121 million dollars committed to mental health initiatives from 2010 to 2021. And it's a great uh, program because they do donate to a lot of different uh, institutes and sort of like societies dealing with mental health. And you can check that out on their link. Uh, However, with pandemic times, it's really hard to uh, see that to fruition because a lot of these initiatives that they're sending it to are things you'd have to go to in person. And with COVID closing it a lot, there's you'd have to look for other options. And so that's what we really want to talk about now is if you're dealing with mental health, just know always that you're not alone. There's always someone to talk to. And with COVID, uh, there is ways to do it virtually. But if you don't feel like you have that privacy in your home, there's always ways to even do it through text now and even through phone calls. So you can even make it more private on your own. In in your own room, you can just text your um, text like a person and try and talk about what you're going through. Right. And uh, some of these initiatives include like BetterHelp, which I know ha- I've been seeing a lot of advertisements of them on social media talking about these initiatives. And there's also places like CAMH, which I talked about here in Toronto. And there's an article from Huffington Post that shows a lot of resources and numbers you can call for people going through mental health. And we'll put that link in our description too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, with regards to Be- Bell Let's Talk Day and these newer initiatives are more like better help is that I think if we look at the sort of history of mental health awareness, who, how far do you think it would go back? Like how far do you think this first became a thing like this became I, such a mainstream like everyone talks to the point where now it's become like a cliche yeah, shit. like i think it was really the 21st century yeah, yeah. And, and like do you think it was like the last 10 years five years so yeah most likely like the 2010s like especially when yeah the less talk these yeah i think a little bit yeah that. i think if you look at like the past yeah. is that there's like there's this awareness of like just people going through stuff mm-hmm. and people knew that people were just always depressed yeah or this sort of and then there was a sort of taboo and the stigma around like whether or not clinical depression is actually like diagnosed Mm-hmm. Uh, like clinically you just have low levels of certain the dopamine yeah. within your brain your for your happy hormones essentially to keep you up to keep you uplifted so the sort of idea of like a clinically depressed person versus an actual person who's be who's just depressed at the moment mm-hmm. right i think there's like um the wording the terminology the stigma i think that was says that's always been there oh, yeah and i think with more research essentially within like with with more things we know about psychiatry psychology and psychiatry and just things about the brain and neuroscience i think mm-hmm. we're getting more and more in tune with uh some of the wonders of the brain and i think um the more we understand some the biggest essentially the, the most important part of the human body i think we also come up with the idea that how much of a complex architecture it has and at the same time it can also influence a person's mood regulation and everything and so this is really astonishing to think about the fact that it's more of a recent phenomenon the mm-hmm. idea of mental health as being an actual thing because like we've known for a long time like diet physical health mm-hmm. i think like cholesterol everything is controlled yeah. but i think a lot of people tend to forget that there's a brain gut like barrier mm-hmm. right there's like there's a there's a blood barrier in between there as well so what you, you are what you eat essentially yeah. not just physically but mentally yeah. as well and i think 
now more than ever it's not just it's moved on from food to like like literally you are what you eat but at the same time like what you consume your environment that you're in the external infects your internal brain mm -hmm. i think that's sort of the conversation we're having now oh, yeah and then more so now we're also having the conversation the fact that the food that you eat also influences your brain mm -hmm. chemistry and so that goes into the whole rabbit hole about dieting and just having food that and your diet and just essentially consuming things that make you more productive and make you more proactive mm -hmm. and more inclined to get more work done yeah. versus actual food that sort of just satisfies you with empty calories and mm -hmm. stuff, which is a whole different discussion for another time. And I think going back to your question, when you asked me, I think it really ties to the whole technological revolution of the 21st century, mm -hmm. because as you were saying, the more technology we got, the more we were able to analyze what's really going on. Right. And the whole like, you know, serotonin, dopamine, we're really able to more understand it than mm -hmm. our, our ancestors were and people in uh, previous generations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and I think, as you mentioned, the fact that it's more of like a more recent uh, talking point. I think companies and startups like BetterHelp, I think they sort of pushed the envelope even further because mm -hmm. the idea was that um, with BetterHelp, essentially, I think the model is like genius in the sense that like it's connecting you with a licensed therapist. Yeah. And I think for the longest time, there was a sort of the, the stigma of just going somewhere to talk. The, the, the whole talk it out. Mm -hmm that stigma is uh, kind of dying, but I think what happened is people just don't get either the people they go talk to aren't really like trained professionals. They're just exactly. a personal, no, not the personal, but just someone random who's untrained mm -hmm. or it's just, it doesn't go anywhere yeah. or there's nothing really executable coming afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we want to touch upon is before I get to that point is I think some of the biggest things prior to the conversation about mental health has always been the, uh, the, I, 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 one of the most con controversial uh, areas, which is, uh, pharma's role in a big mm -hmm. pharma's role, especially with regards to mental health. Yeah. I think for the longest time prior to the conversation that I mean you were having with regards to when Bell let's talk and like mental health and yeah. people go through shit, but when that became more mainstream, I think it's always been there, but it's sort of been like castigated by like, you know, you like people you see in the movies, people just go to the bar and drink or, <laughs> or you have the, you have the, you have the so-called dark image of veterans returning from war and needing to pop pills yeah. just to stay healthy and, not go through panic attacks as if they're sort of having flashbacks to where they went to fight. And I think that that image of the of veterans popping pills, I think that was sort of the perception of many people, which is that when people began to realize that oh, like we can just we can just basically pharmac pharmacologically just give you a compound of substances. Yeah. We can sort of readjust your serotonin levels or antidepressants essentially. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole variety of other cons that come with antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, for the longest time, people have sort of used that and, and physicians and certain people within the medical industrial complex, as we like to call it, yeah. have sort of been complicit in the idea of like selling out to selling more and more of people's essentially health out to big pharma, oh, which yeah, is a billion dollar yeah. industry. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that um, these companies and these doctors in the medical establishment for the longest time, I think some parts still are inclined to just write you a prescription for anything. Yeah. And forget just mental health. Like even if you're sick, there's higher chances the doctors would write prescriptions for you to go take like some antibiotic or, mm -hmm. or just here, just take a pill. It's like, wait, this is like not even that serious of a thing. You should be prescribing like, oh, well, not as a doctor, but you should just basically, there's many of other things you could have prescribed with regards to lifestyle per mm -hmm. se. Majority of the problems that we have speak, uh, health speaking and just mentally, as we all know, talking about it, everything else that goes along with it, better help, which is a phys licensed physician. It's more lifestyle individual choices. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's like pharma's uh, incentives has always been to put something external and foreign into your body, right, yeah. simply to satisfy the, the status quo and to keep you average. Whereas you're not really improving anything. Yeah, it's just a temporary. Right. Yeah. And I think those perverse incentives of actually relying on these drugs and, and those pharmaceutical drugs have often led to the whole bad rabbit hole of them, alcohol consumption and addiction. Mm -hmm. And then um, eventually like just death among these, some of these people who oh, go yeah. through these mental health issues. And I think it's sort of like an entire 
uh, primary, secondary, tertiary effects of what exactly happens when this um, decision is made mm -hmm. or this so-called special interest. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, speaking of better help, I think, um, as we mentioned, better help is sort of a, a company sort of that pairs you with a licensed physicians based off sort of an evaluation form mm -hmm. that gives you someone personally to talk to. Yep. It's sort of not like a psychologist or like some sort of doctor that's going to prescribe you something. It's literally just a licensed therapist catered to you. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like a subscription fee, I believe, yep. to sort of uh, consult with this therapist. And I just think this is the beauty about the whole just startup culture with regards to how many areas of life it sort of touches. Mm -hmm. And I think with regards to the mental health space, it's either, has, it's either generally been people relying on some sort of drug their entire life to satisfy or to just keep them have barely happy or barely afloat. Yeah. And then people who just basically tell them to deal with it and shut up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of like a good dichotomy to address that to sort of problem. Um, yeah. And I think better help is, uh, is someone a leader in sort of the licensed therapy, uh, uh, practice mm -hmm. and i think um the times of like just conversing i think i think that dialogue maybe it's just a personal opinion of mine but i just think that it doesn't really do anything proactively mm -hmm. like like talking about it with someone just to relieve it i'm pretty sure it has done things for people yeah. but i think if we actually wanted to go on the attack i think instead of reacting just waiting for someone to tell us and kind of absorbing it and sitting yeah. there i think if you wanted to go on the attack i.e they can get the, the next stage is probably to companies like better help and, yeah. and to licensed therapists and physicians and i think we're going to probably tease another one at the end sort of like uh tease another solution at the end which is sort of up and coming within the space of biopharmaceuticals and biotechnology mm -hmm. but before we get to that you want to talk about uh the mental health uh, mental health awareness and sort of just something that can leave our listeners and viewers with um sort of like a checklist to kind of check themselves mm -hmm. and check others especially in a time when people are just locked away from each other yeah for sure uh yeah, so I just wanted to get into how you could recognize someone is going through mental health and how you can help them because there are companies like Better Health, but uh, that's more on the, the onus is on the person who's going through something to really register for it. And so if you're with someone who you think is going through mental health, you can take a look at the list we have in our description. I'm going to read a couple of points uh, just to take a look. And if you see these uh, sort of like signs, you can kind of talk to them and just let them know that you're here for them if they want to talk. But some of these signs to look for include like uh, they don't have interests and hobbies and other interests they used to love before. They feel they're angry or sad for literal or no reason. Uh, they don't seem to enjoy anything anymore. Their sleep patterns have changed. Uh, they've been drinking heavily or using drugs to cope, which goes back to the whole substance abuse argument. And they're avoiding their close friends and family members. So if you see them, you know, secluding themselves and like not wanting to talk with people, that's usually a major sign. And the ways you can help someone, uh, in addition to, you know, letting them know you're here, uh, provide emotional support if they have appointments with doctors or with uh, counselors help them out with them like take them there go with them give them the comfort that you're always beside them so they know they have someone to rely on and also try to if you can support a healthy lifestyle because it is a win-win situation it helps you get a little bit active and it helps them take their mind off of the problems they're dealing with and uh, become a little competitive with you you know you can start doing i don't know like jogging around the track and trying to see who can run the most laps or something you know mm -hmm. take their mind off of it and uh, obviously, yeah, this list is not ex exhaustive. Again, yeah, it's, the list is in our description. So you can take a look at it and see. It's a really long list of how many signs you can look for. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we become aware of it and begin to talk about it so that more people aren't afraid and the stigma kind of goes away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think um, with regards from a personal perspective, um, there's often probably been people that we've encountered that have sort of gone through mental mm -hmm. problems. And generally speaking, the way like we've approached it, like from a very young age or yeah. people that we've known for a while, like, I mean, we're obviously still pretty young. We're like in our second year, only university, approaching our third year. And I think 
the amount of people that we sort of dealt with, like not just during COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had any people to reach out to during COVID, but even prior, I think um, he's right in the sense that like creating, I think, I think for most people during COVID, and you know, we mentioned at the beginning that uh, you mentioned that stat about eight people aged 15 to 24, mm-hmm. particularly in the Gen Z demographic, right? Um, I think most people nowadays aren't really young people at least they're resilient it's just that i think at this point there's 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 more to it than just the regular mental health crisis it's more like a i feel like it's turned into like an existentialist crisis or just mm-hmm. people are just like worried about the state of their futures and i think of course that then contributes to additional stress and then mm-hmm. unwanted stress and contributes to generally unhealthy eating and yeah then we go back to down to the whole rabbit hole, the whole, yeah. and mm-hmm. i think um, this is something new. I think people need to speak about this now with regards to the pandemic and henceforth. I mm-hmm. think, um, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, we've sort of spoken about multiple things happening all at once mm-hmm. with regards to the new world. But at the same time, I think people are just worried about uh, how current trends are looking negatively for most people. Mm-hmm. And we always have suggested, if you haven't seen our previous uh, videos on social media, our previous episodes on social media toxicity and particularly mainstream media yeah. toxicity. You should go check those out. Those are our previous episodes. And in there, we're just basically speaking about the fact that your environment and what you watch, what you consume also matters, mm-hmm. especially during the mental health crisis of COVID. Mm-hmm. I think what we tend to forget is that most of the things that happened, generally speaking, trapped in your home are also influenced because people were trapped in their homes and then turned the TV on. Yes. You know, they were bombarded with things that are just negative imagery all the time. Mm-hmm. And then this made people dying, morbid like numbers and morbid headlines. And like I said, at this point, um, things are looking a bit brighter, mm-hmm. like progressive, like globally on a global scale. Yeah. Um, apart from India and just a few other, uh, apart from India and a few other places around the world who are going through more dire times than mm-hmm. usual than, other, than all of us at least. So we're lucky to be uh, doing a bit better. Uh, but like I said, it, it, it's more of an existential crisis at this point. And I think when people worry about their futures, there's there's a se- there's a sense of urgency among young people to like, get something done. Mm-hmm. But it's often that they just either feel like unproductive, lethargic, and just the the setting has the, the environment has been created for uh, the the sense of mediocrity mm-hmm. or like not just not being productive. That that sen- that setting has been created, yeah. and I don't necessarily blame them. And at the same time, I think you're right in the sense that like mental health contributes to a lot of it because if there's a sense of lethargy then you're basically just consuming things instead of being Mm -hmm. proactive and then it also depends on what you consume and if you're just consuming negativity 24 7 you're generally going to be filling your brain up with like useless shit yeah exactly and i think it's just really important that people realize that if we all have personal stories that we've dealt with other people we've gone through ourselves Mm -hmm. and i think those stories are really good to be told to others and especially just to like make it relatable to people i think you need to understand that everyone has gone through some sort of mental health disorder whether it be like something minor or just at a moment you kind of feel that like there are there are momentary like there are moments in your day and just in the year and in your life that you will naturally just feel depressed Mm -hmm. and it's the whole like the whole idea of like high life has its highs and lows and you sort of will encounter that but i just think uh, getting through it and marching through it, 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 um, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, the, the idea of like just, just COVID being the sort of, uh, black swan that no one really called um, for. Yeah. I think this too shall pass in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. I think this too shall pass. And once we get past that, I think it goes back to the regular conversations we have about mental health. But I think now more than ever, we have to also address the, um, other issues of, like you said, eating, um, mental health, but at the same time, what you consume. I think mm-hmm. all this is now becoming more and more conjoined together, which is what you're saying. That the conversation is now switching from the original, uh, let's talk about it, to mm-hmm. what are some of the factors that influence mental health, yeah. i.e., what you eat, because mm-hmm. we know this relationship between your gut and your brain, yeah. which we're discovering about more and more. In mm-hmm. fact, just for 
anyone's interest, I sort of has this like second year university school project where we sort of explore the relationship between uh, gut microbia and the development of Parkinson's disease in individuals. Oh, wow. And the idea is like essentially what you are, what you eat literally can uh, form a correlation uh, and predispose you to develop, a, have a higher chance of developing something like Parkinson's um, at an older age. And it literally depends on what you eat and where your food sources come from and healthy wow. food sources actually caring about what you eat. Mm -hmm. And it goes further than that in terms of actually just exercising. It's not a cliche just to look good. It's like you look good, you feel good. There's mm -hmm. there's 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 actual science, concrete science behind it. The fact that you're releasing endorphins, you're just yeah. high on these endorphins and you're much more happier and you're jumpy and you, you're preppy and you just, you're just yeah. ready to take on the day. And I think there's mm -hmm. something to that. And so... Yeah, just to, uh, before we end off with our three takeaways, um, I mentioned earlier that uh, we looked into some of these uh, solutions with regards to how mental health has been treated. And what we looked at was, is there something new in the market? Like, is there something new that people are working on, thought leaders and, and leaders and just innovators are working on in the space of mental health? And I think something that it might come to people's minds, uh, if I haven't said it already, is psychedelics yeah. and psychedelic research. And um, many people may be thinking either if you don't know what that is, or some people might be thinking of psychedelics, might be just thinking of like uh, people like loopy hip, yeah. hippies in the sixties, <laughs> but you're not wrong. But, um, and for those of you that don't know what psychedelics are, so like psychedelics belong to sort of the mind altering drug category yeah. of sort of this idea of like um, natural medicine or mm -hmm. medicine derived from plants sort of has these mind altering properties. Yeah. And of course there are synthetic versions of these and derivatives of these made in Latin pharmacology, mm -hmm. but generally speaking these this idea of psychedelic medicine has sort of been in the forefront now after a long time uh psychedelics for a bit of a background it's it sort of the research essentially said psychedelics was probably happening around post-world war ii time people just interested in the idea of like lsd and some of these compounds include like your your usual things that have sort of had a bad rep for themselves yeah. like lsd mdma dimethyltryptamine dmt and psilocybin mm -hmm. like these sort of main compounds and um, each of these compounds is a unique like beast of its own. Yeah. And it would take an expert and just more research on our part to go through each single drug and what are his applications and who are some of the leaders in this business. But I think um, psychedelics and the psychedelic space is becoming more and more accepted and less of a taboo, mm -hmm. primarily because of the fact that more research is actually being uh, done, yeah. not just from a government and academia perspective, but there's actually many more startups now mm -hmm. partnering up with the university pipeline to kind of deliver solutions. And there's actually many startups that you can go search up right now on Google yeah. that are actually receive like series A funding and VC funding and just government grants to research some of the effects that some of these psychedelic substances have mm -hmm. on patients with alcohol like addiction. Wow, okay. And there's more and more data sh showing now the quantitative data that people that psychedelics have a profound impact on veterans, primarily those who suffer from PTSD or people mm -hmm. who suffer from PTSD in general. Yeah alcohol addiction, any other sort of mental health disorder, psychedelics are having a much more bigger impact. Yeah. And I think the the, the sort of um, caveat to this is the fact that it's being microdosed under the supervised supervisation of someone professional <laughs> who's been educated in the field of psychedelics. <laughs> and I think for the longest time, people need to understand that psychedelics have been a taboo for the very reason that you, you sort of probably heard of them, yeah. which is the fact that this originated at a time, like you think of like 60s counterculture, you think of hippies, <laughs> you think of people on the university campuses protesting, but at the same time, most sort of introduced as like a street drug, a party drug, yeah. a rave drug. And I think um, the negativity on this, along with the whole war on drugs yeah. and the negative PR and uh, all accumulated to the fact that these universities that were doing research in the 50s and 60s were immediately just shut down. Mm -hmm. There's been this decades-long ban on funding and research. Yeah. There's sort of been this weird um, black sort of uh, like black hole or essentially just this, this huge cosm of just like gap 
of ignorance from when it first started mm -hmm. research into psychedelics to now where it's being picked up literally like 30, 40 years later. Wow. So we're kind of essentially just far behind. Mm -hmm. But like I said, this is a new space that's kind of developing. Right. So we're kind of excited about this space. This is really interesting. This is not just not the whole like spirituality stuff, not just that. That's pretty interesting to see like how people actually go on to their whole spiritual stuff, which right. is a totally different idea. But mm -hmm. the fact that these are mind altering and some of the uh, anecdotal evidence that people that people kind of prescribe to it, mm -hmm. like the whole like, oh, like uh, I went into some sort of like spiritual journey and how they, their personalities change. Yep. And there's this, there's like a huge database, just anecdotal evidence about this stuff. And so, I mean, yeah, like it's a whole episode in of itself. So we're mm -hmm. hoping to find people, experts, and just more in-depth research for the viewers and listeners yes, yeah. to kind of look into this area of psychedelics and mm -hmm. probably even uh, an area where some other people who are listening might want to pursue their sort of areas and or their sort of area of discipline for the future. Yeah, you know, we're really looking forward to recording that episode. Uh, as such as always if you have any questions or you want us to look into anything specific let us know because mm -hmm. especially we can ask our uh, guest that comes on or even if we make an episode with just us two we can try to answer as many questions as possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and with that we'll just move on to our last segment which is our three takeaways yeah so as you guys know this is our recurring segment um i guess we can just do a joint one for okay. the sake of our episode for so sure. um my i would say my first the first takeaway i have is that um mental health uh uh there, there's sometimes like Sometimes there's like a monster in, like in the closet we don't want to like tackle like mm -hmm. something like mental health especially especially now like even after the episode some people might find this a bit morbid yeah the fact that like now we might have to deal with some a more bigger monster post covid <laughs> or whatever and i think there's like never any challenge to kind of back down with it yeah. sort of goes to the whole mantra like never giving up and i think it's something pure because it's like people's lives at stake mm -hmm. and i think it's just like with regards to something mental health i think it's always you can always tackle it. I think there's some something about perseverance and persistence and resilience that's just unique to the human spirit. And I think people can just push through regardless. So I think um, we give people nowadays credit, less credit and less uh, ability for them to solve their own problems than we normally do. Yeah. And then people always have it. I've always have had it in them mm -hmm. to be more resilient. I think we should be propping up more people to be more resilient. For sure. Yeah, uh, my takeaway would be, you know, raise awareness about this topic and try to reduce that stigma. Of course, if you are going through mental health, there is resiliency involved, but don't feel like you always have to fight it uh, alone. Like, uh, because if you if you think it's just you for yourself, it might make things harder. So you can always seek out people, like we said, with better help. You can seek out your friends, your family, whoever you feel comfortable talking to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, eventually, if we keep on talking about this, we keep on reducing that stigma. Eventually, this wouldn't have to be that big of a problem mm -hmm. because people know about it so much. You can tackle it much more easier and, uh, you know, like figure out what to do and figure out the cure much more easier, too. Right. And I think the last one that we can talk about is essentially the fact that uh, there's huge innovation still to be made on a biotech biotechnical mm -hmm. scale with regards to mental health. Yeah. I don't think it's just mental health, but more so the bigger area of psychedelics, sure, yeah. which has multiple um, applications, not just a mental health, but like we said, alcohol addiction and everything mm -hmm. else. And um, it's literally an entire universe in and of itself. Oh, yeah. And there's like amazing resources on the internet. I'm pretty sure many universities are offering free courses and there's free instit there's institutions online that are offering certified courses for people that are interested. Oh, wow. You can actually pay a particular fee to obtain certifications in the psychedelic space mm -hmm. to become like a therapeutic or to become like something someone specialized in a particular one of these particular substances mm -hmm. and drugs which like i said is an universe on its own and i'm mm -hmm. pretty sure there's plenty of other podcasts and plenty of other resources out there that sort of speak more towards uh the psychedelic space mm -hmm. and its applications and just the fact that some of these things are historically have always been there in some societies like mm -hmm. psilocybin and ayahuasca and all yeah. these other things which have sort of been in societies for the longest time like mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of years native american and indigenous populations 
But like I said, there's like a whole different world out there. And yeah. I think like people tend to freak, people tend to think like a lot of the things that we like speak about or a lot of these um, problems are sort of stagnated, like basically <laughs> everything's done, like everything's yeah. been done. But oftentimes it's just felt like it's been done because we're at a stagnation period. And I think sometimes it just takes, um, unfortunately, sometimes it just takes like the dire situations for more innovators to step in and say, no, I think there's more to it. Yeah. And I think uh, some of these innovators now in the mental health space would reside in the area of psychedelics and psychedelic therapeutics that are going to more personalize healthcare mm-hmm. and sort of take it to big pharma and just say no more one drug fits all, no oh, more yeah. writing prescriptions to people, no more telling veterans that they have to deal with it, no more telling mm-hmm. veterans here to take this pill. Like, yeah, exactly. like there's people who suffer, the people who work hard, they're humans too. And I think more and more we're moving towards a more personalized world. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's somewhere the silver lining in this whole discussion. Yeah. And I think that takes us to the end of our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, always remember, you know, guys, be strong, but don't forget you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And you can always reach out to people for help whenever you need it. Yep, for sure. Okay. And with that, we'd like to bid you adieu. And we'll see you next time. We'll take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, and share. Check us out for an audio-only experience on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other outlets. Follow us on all of our social media, and please consider supporting us on Patreon. All of these links will be in the description. That's it for us today. Welcome to the new world.